1: To another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for singing around. I know it's late, but uh, tonight we're going to make it worth your while, as opposed to any other night, I suppose. <laughs> well,
2: it's only half worth your while.
1: I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, let me oh, turn wow. that guy off, uh, you know, I'm trying to get those last minute <laughs> wait, tweets wait, wait, out there. you texting? Uh, let's wait. see. You no, know, well, we're Who getting a couple of retweets. <laughs> we're getting a couple of retweets for tonight's show, which is great because tonight we have a really, really cool show. We've been gone for a few weeks. We were in a in a in a bit of a adventure, I would call it. It wasn't a vacation. It definitely <laughs> yeah, wasn't. Yeah, well, I was
2: gonna say. I, I'm just not, not sure. Adventures has kind of positive connotations.
1: It was it was a trek. It was an odyssey. It was a voyage. I don't know. I can keep going. A break of sorts, but uh, change
2: of scenery. We
1: we're, we're back tonight, and actually, I think out of all this time that we've been gone, we have at least one thing that we're gonna post. About on the website, which is uh, I actually got hit up about some pictures we posted because we visited the uh, Paris catacombs. We got some cool pictures and it's it's a really interesting place. So we're going to be posting some of that, uh, some of those pictures and, and a bit of a, b- how that was because it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. But tonight we have an interview, which actually, for me, it's quite huge. As people know. That's what she said. Thanks.
2: Yeah, I mean, had to. As started as, somewhere,
1: as people know, growing up with with my father's books, one of the books that was very prominent, or at least an author that was very prominent in my dad's collection of books, was Eric von Daniken, and obviously you know his his famous book, Chariots of the Gods, with a question mark at the end. So it's Chariots of the Gods, I suppose, is the proper way. <laughs> um, in a very popular documentary. I believe it came out in the 70s uh, based on this book by Eric Von And that was kind of how I got into uh, UFOs and the, uh, the theories that humans had been visited by extraterrestrials in the past, you know, and we see what a lot of us consider to be an evidence of this contact in, you know, the Egyptians, hieroglyphics and other similar ancient civilizations. And obviously, uh, Mr. Bond-Anikin and has been featured on countless documentaries, TV shows, uh, TV specials, etc., etc., on this topic. But um, let me stop rambling. I'm going to hand over the mic to Genevieve. Genevieve, if you would be so kind to uh, do the introduction here.
2: All right. Well, here's a little summary about Erich von Deniken. Um as edited from his website, which is daniken.com, D-A-N-I-K-E-N. Von Daniken was born in 1935 in Switzerland and was educated at the college St. Michel in Fribourg, where he spent much of his time studying ancient holy writings. It was while working as the managing director of a hotel that he wrote his first book, Chariots of the Gods, which was an immediate bestseller in the United States, Germany, and later on in 38 other countries. In the US, Erich won Instant Fame as a result of the television special In Search of Ancient Astronauts, based upon his, upon his first book. In '93. The German television station Sat.1 started a 25-part TV series with and by Erich von Däniken entitled Pathways of the Gods. In 96, TV company ABC slash Kane produced a one-hour special filmed all over the world entitled Chariots of the Gods, The Mysteries Continue, one of his most famous documentaries. Less than a year later... The same company produced another documentary with Erich which was aired on the Discovery Channel as well as RTL in Germany to no less than 7.7 million viewers in Germany alone. Erich's books have been translated into 32 languages, Um, they've sold 65 million copies worldwide and so far two full-length documentary films have been produced based on his books. Um, namely obviously Chariots of the Gods and Messages of the Gods. And of the more than 3,000 lectures which he has given in 25 countries, over 500 were presented at universities, fluent in in four languages. He is an avid researcher and a compulsive traveler averaging 100,000 miles each year to remote spots of the earth. This enables him obviously to closely examine the phenomena about which he writes. And today, Erich lives in a small mountain village of Beatenberg in Switzerland. In 2003, the Mysteries of the World theme park, so an entire theme park designed by Erich, was opened in Switzerland, serving as a platform for the presentation and research of the Mysteries of the World, including Paleo SETI, the so-called Ancient Astronaut Theory, um, in 1998. Erich von Däniken co-founded the Archaeology, Astronautics, and SETI Research Association, AASRA, which publishes the English journal Legendary Times, reporting about the latest research in the paleo-SETI field. Erich married his wife, Elisabeth Skaya, in 1960, and has one daughter, Cornelia, as well as two grandchildren. He's also a hobby chef and a lover of Bordeaux wines, so according to his website. Um, so one more little bit of trivia. Did you know that Ridley Scott said that his film Prometheus is related to some of Denican's ideas regarding early human civilization? Wow. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I mean. That, that, that was a
2: summary. That was me trying to like break things down and cut things out. Well, so, he, sorry about you that. Know,
1: as people know, he lives in uh, uh, Switzerland.
2: Mm-hmm. I think and, Bergen, Yeah, I think he, he still lives there, and that's where he actually called us from.
1: Yeah, so we had to uh, make the interview uh, off-air, but we're going to air the whole interview yeah. here for everyone. Uh, we actually had this interview a few days before the Contact in the Desert Conference, which just took place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure you heard about it. It got quite a bit of press uh, this year because of, of the, the number of speakers that were there, including... We were
2: not just slightly annoyed that we couldn't be there.
1: Yeah, again, <laughs> you know, conflicting schedules, I suppose. But nonetheless, we got to interview uh, Mr. Von Daniken, and we're going to uh, go ahead and roll the interview here. This is our interview with Eric Von Daniken, and honestly, it was a fascinating interview. You're going to hear us talk about not just ancient aliens, but you know current aliens bro
2: and and even for anyone that hasn't read any of his stuff or seen any of his stuff i think it's a good overview of generally what he talks about as well as a couple of you know nitty grittier details
1: yeah and definitely want to send a quick shout out before we start to everybody that's tuning in tonight i see professor madness and uh mr tony merlo are there in the chat to
2: quote professor matters no. now they're back our lives can get back
1: to normal <laughs> including but, ours yeah
0: including well." <laughs> all
1: right guys that. here we go eric Bondanikin, enjoy and we're going to be back right after hello mr Bondanikin. can you hear me okay
0: yes, yes i'm talking
1: <laughs> and we're really excited to have you on the show
0: yes everything is okay the only uh, problem is my mother language is German. My second language is French. Sometimes I have problems to express myself. But you will help me out. Okay.
2: Ich kann auch bisschen helfen. Ich spreche auch oh, Deutsch. <laughs>
0: Dank, danke schön, danke schön.
1: Okay, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't speak German. Otherwise, I would impress you with my German skills. But, <laughs> okay. uh, Mr. Mondanikin, thank you so much for uh, joining us. It's, it's really an honor to have you on our show.
0: Well, it's a pleasure f- from my side. be with your show.
1: Now, I am one of the many people that grew up with your books. My dad actually is the one that introduced me to to your books at a very early age. So this is a very special interview, and I look forward to uh, discussing some interesting things that I know you focus a lot on biblical accounts, Abraham, Elijah, Ezekiel. What story in the Bible pushed you to see these accounts as something other than god instead extraterrestrials
0: you see i was educated as a strict catholic in switzerland in a boarding school Mm -hmm. the boarding school was led by jesuits so we had to translate some parts of the bible from greek to latin and latin to german and i am a deep believer in god and i was a deep believer in god when i was a boy but my belief in god God had to be omnipotent. That means God would never need a vehicle in which to move around from point point A to point B, mm-hmm. or God would never make a mistake, etc. Now, while making these translations, I realized that in some cases the God in the Bible made mistakes and he used some vehicles to move around. So I was simply curious, and and uh, I asked myself. If other religions have similar stories. So that was the point when it all started and it ended with chariots of the gods.
1: That is really fascinating because obviously a lot of people have made the point to distance uh, the the Bible from anything extraterrestrial or, you know, anything that would go against the the belief of God. And one of uh, your presentations last year uh, at Contact in the Desert, which you will be attending again as a speaker this year. You said that if you could travel back in time and talk to anyone or travel to any period of time, you would like to have a talk with Enoch. Um, Yes, perfect. (laughs) Can you tell me uh, why specifically Enoch?
0: Enoch, according to the Bible, was the seventh patriarch before the Great Flood. Now, in the Bible, you read only about three phrases concerning Enoch. You just learn that he was the seventh patriarch and that he, the, he, he uh, went to the heaven with God. That's all what you read in the Bible. But 170 years ago, in an old convent in Ethiopia, there was a, a book found. The book of Enoch. The book of Enoch then was translated from Ethiopian language into uh, English and from English later into German. And now when you read Enoch, this Ethiopian Enoch book, you are really, really amazed because he tells stories in the first person. That means as an eyewitness. He said it was evening. The whole community of the village wanted to to sleep, but then they hear the noise in the sky, and they saw a light coming down, and everyone was afraid and run away. And two beings, in the the book of Enoch, they speak about two angels, came out of a light, and they came close to it. Now, Enoch was 12 years at that time. He said, I was 12 years old, and he did not run away. But when these two beings came close to him, he was afraid too, and he fell on the ground. All of a sudden somebody of someone of these two angels or beings spoke to to Enoch and said, "Don't be afraid, uh, uh, human, don't be afraid." So they help him to stand up, then Enoch explains everything what happened. He goes with them to so-called heaven. He sees the earth from a ball. He goes in a gigantic uh, spaceship. Well, I use the word spaceship Enoch did not have a word like spaceship. Enoch says there was something like cities in the sky. Doors mm-hmm. opened and closed and he crossed gardens with different flowers and wheat which he never saw. He finally comes to a, a, a gigantic round table and there was a throne and on the throne the Lord was sitting, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now 170 years ago and 150 years ago, All these was translated in a religious sense. So. Two mm-hmm. angels came down, Enoch was taken up to the heaven, he stands before the throne of the almighty God. But in our time, we have other possibilities of translations, and mm-hmm. these translations are made by scientists, not just by Eric von denningen In the meantime, you say, it was not two angels who came down, it was two extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. Enoch did not went into heaven, Enoch went up into the sky, he did not enter heaven he entered into a mother spaceship. Etcetera. Wow. He does not stand before the throne of the Almighty God. He is simply standing for the the, the, the chair of the commander in the space in the spaceship. Mm-hmm. So etcetera Enoch in a modern view makes absolute sense. In an old view Enoch is absolutely senseless.
1: Would you say that these uh, extraterrestrials, what is or what was their purpose, I should ask, appearing to these men that we uh, see in the Bible, were they impersonating the God that they believe in or was there confusion, I guess?
2: Miscommunication. Well,
0: (laughs) you see, I have the knowledge of different other old books, for example, in India and so on. Now, these extraterrestrials, Mm -hmm. they were looking similar to humans, and they were there with the body. And uh, the, some, in some cases, the humans asked them, where do you come from? And they always say, we came from another solar system. They never mm-hmm. said, for example, we came from another continent, like Atlantis or so. Mm-hmm. They always pointed to the sky. Now, but by saying this, you have a lot of confusion. Why should extraterrestrials look human? Mm-hmm. But there is a, an explanation of it. And where is God, the real God? Mm-hmm. Look, a- a- accept just for a, a second that my position would be right. That means, all right, we were visited by beings from outer space. So the next question must be, How did they? where did they come from? Now you can say they have been visited themselves by another solar system, etc. You can go on for millions of years. Finally, you arrive, arrive to a starting point where in all respect, with religion you have to confess and to say here is god here is god and you never lose god when you when you work with extraterrestrials oh wow i am one of these people who always everyday pray i pray every evening mm-hmm.
1: that's great and honestly i mean this is really interesting to see the bible through this new lens something you you said in regards to this and and one of your uh, lectures was that this is kind of a new interpretation. You said that we do not lose religion and we do not lose God by yes. seeing things in this way. I find Definitely not. I find that really, really interesting. One of the things I I remember reading the description of uh, Ezekiel's vision of, I know you consider a spaceship or an aircraft, and it seems to describe a jet propulsion type of craft. And this was back in biblical times, and it was very similar to the technology that we have today. So from your research, are these extraterrestrials do they evolve their technology gets better is that uh why we see these more advanced aircraft in recent years the the ufos of contemporary times
0: you see concerning the ezekiel case uh ezekiel describes a vehicle which comes down and ezekiel describes it as the splenderness of the lord Mm -hmm. he believes in the beginning that it is god and then later he describes all the details, like the wheels. He describes the wings. He describes the noise. He compares the noise with the thundering of a waterfall, and so on. And here I start with my doubts.
2: Mm.
0: In religious education, I was told that Ezekiel simply had a vision. He saw God sitting on his throne. Mm-hmm. But again, here God would use a vehicle to move around. And according to my belief, God does not need a vehicle. Mm-hmm. So what was the really meaning of it? Now, in our modern translation, we have come out to a sort of, you would call it space shuttle. In mm-hmm. orbit, we had a gigantic mother spaceship. And from this mother spaceship, smaller vehicles have come down to Earth. Now a NASA engineer, Mr. Joseph Blumrich, in his time, that's 20 years ago, he reconstructed the so-called visions of Ezekiel in modern, with modern technology. Mm-hmm. And he came to the conclusion that the technology of the extraterrestrials was only about 20 years ahead of our technology. Wow. So they were not so far away from us. Mm-hmm. Wow. That...
2: Although I, I guess in modern times... 20 years could be considered a lot because of how fast people can move in that time nowadays, I guess. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely.
1: One of the questions that I wanted to ask you is, in the Old Testament, uh, we find a lot of uh, accounts that would show some kind of uh, advanced craft and encounters with some extraordinary beings. Have you found through your research anything that would indicate a similar type of encounter in the New Testament writings?
0: No. No. You see, the New Testament, this is the story of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And this took place more or less 2,000 years from now. But the Jesus Christ story has nothing to do with these extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. The extraterrestrials were thousands of years before Jesus Christ. That, that's a different thing. You see, in the ancient testament, in the Bible, we find the God who descends on the holy mountain with smoke, fire, trembling, loud noise. In the Bible, even you say, and the mountain was burning like a firm ace. Now, I have the same description in old India. Hmm. There, in the fifth book of the Mahabharata, a similar situation is described, some vehicle descend on the planet again with smoke fire loud mouse, loud noise trembling etc the same thing happens in tibet the same thing happens in colombia where an indian tribe lives called the kogo and we know in the meantime their mythology so these are repetitions all over the world it's not only in the old testament in our bible that's why i suggest they were really extraterrestrials with their body. They were oh, wow. here. And in, in orbit, we had a spaceship because some of the humans were taken up to the spaceship.
1: Oh, wow. wow.
0: And, what, and when they came back, they described what they saw up there. Enoch was one of them, by the way. Abraham, too. He was up there, up there, too.
1: Speaking of Enoch, what are your thoughts on the on the book of Enoch? I know that religious institutions and systems of faith don't. Particularly like the Book of Enoch, they consider it an uh, apocryphal book. Do you That's think that there, there is valuable and accurate information in that book? What are your thoughts on the Book of Enoch?
0: Yes. A lot of things is valuable and accurate, and you can explain it perfectly in modern with the modern view. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, many parts of the Book of Enoch you cannot use. It's just religion. You see, 160, 170 years ago, when Enoch was translated for the first time, these professors in language which translated Enoch, they knew nothing about aircraft. At their time, there were no aircraft. Of course, nothing about space travel, etc. So they translated everything in a religious form because they could not understand the real technological meaning behind it. So today, when you read Enoch, half of it, I can throw away or I can do nothing with it. The other half makes sense, is logical. For example, one of these extraterrestrials, Enoch calls it not extraterrestrials, he calls it the guardians of the sky. He teaches Enoch in astronomy. He explains them why the moon, the moon is sometimes full, full moon and half moon and then it disappears. Mm-hmm. He ex- explains them, for example, our calendar. He says, you see this bright shining light, you humans, you call it, you name, call it sun. But all the other lights you see up there in the sky are also suns. And around your sun, your planet is revolving. And he explains, uh-huh. your planet is revol- revolving around the sun 365 days point because they have ours you see we have every 4 years a, lip, a lip, lip ear. Mm-hmm. Leak ear, leap leap year leap year leap year schaltia so and so this is astronomical knowledge these parts of the book of enoch you can use perfectly it's science they were teachers many other parts you can do nothing with it we don't understand it wow and this
2: is information years and years before copernicus and the you know, solar-centric yes, model. Yes,
0: it was, bef- it was before the Great Flood. Mm-hmm. These people, Enoch, they were Stone Age people.
2: Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's incredible. The things that are still left behind, and yet a lot of people completely overlook the fact that
0: those see, people we shouldn't have...
2: have it, not that technology.
0: Exactly. Neither their technology, neither their knowledge. Mm-hmm. We have, for example, in old Sumer, they were writing in cuneiform writings. Now, mm-hmm. in Germany, we have a professor of Sumerology. His name is Professor Dr. Burgard And he, okay. for the first time now, translated some of the old Sumerian tablets with our new knowledge. Okay. And he, he told me, Eric, this is incredible. Now it make, make, makes perfect sense. Oh, wow. In the past hundred years, we always look at it in a religious or psychological way. Mm-hmm. But these are facts. We don't have to look for psychology or for religion. It makes sense. The time has changed. We live in another time.
1: And another thing that we read about in the in the book of Enoch is uh, the fallen angels mating, pretty much, uh, with, uh, with uh, women here on Earth. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because a lot of people think that the fallen angels are uh, extraterrestrials and created this kind of mixed, you know, hybrid race.
0: Yeah, you see... Enoch was up there. He learned the language of the extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. He was there in, in the so-called sky, the mother spaceship, for many decades, not only for two or three years. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes that some of these so-called angels, mm-hmm. in reality extraterrestrials, they had sex with beautiful humans. This is clearly written down in the book of Enoch. Enoch even gives the name of these extraterrestrials who had sex with humans. Now you can say, this is all nonsense. Why should extraterrestrials have sex with humans? And how is this practical possible? They probably don't have the the same sexual apparatus as we have. But just go and read the Bible. First book of Moses, 1-6. There you find the same story. There you read, but when the sons of God, sometimes the fallen angels, it depends on the tradition, saw that the daughters of men were beauty, they took them to wife. So all of these translations exist, by the way, in old Tibetan and Japanese book also. There were sex between extraterrestrials and humans. That means that the extraterrestrials must, must have had a, 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 a corpus, you know, a, a corp like our, mm-hmm. a, humanistic. A body, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a body like our. And this, again, makes sense, but the story is too complicated to explain it on, on the phone here. I'm a student in Joshua Tree.
1: And then speaking of uh, Joshua Tree, uh, we were there last year and we had the pleasure of sitting in for one of your lectures. In that lecture, you were talking about the Book of Ezekiel, where he uh, records the uh, exact measurements of uh-huh. the splendors of God. Uh, and you said, or, or you shared, a very interesting story that I, I would ask you to uh, share with us um, today, if you can, about the uh, German engineer that took Ezekiel's measurements uh, yeah. and then they measured them with a temple.
0: Yeah, you see, in the first part part of the Book of Ezekiel, mm-hmm. he describes the vehicle the so-called splendorness of God. And as I said before, the leading NASA engineer at that time, Mr. Joseph Plumrich, reconstructed the vehicle. Now, in the second part from chapter 40 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is brought up to a very, very high mountain, and he sees something like a temple. He doesn't say it is a temple, so it's a building for the gods. And uh, there is one of these glittering men, and he gives Ezekiel a device of measurement. And he orders him, Ezekiel should measure this temple everything. Ezekiel even has the courage to ask back, why? Why should I make these measurements? Mm-hmm. And the other answers to him, well, that's the reason why we brought you here. So Ezekiel makes the measurement, length, large, high, every step, everything. You can read all this in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Just take Ezekiel chapter 14 and so on. And these measurements were taken by a German engineer, Dr. Hermann Bayer, And he took every measurement correctly. He simply wanted with his team to find out is this just uh, imagination, Mm -hmm. a a vision, or is this a real building? And he reconstructed the building. Now, I brought these two men, Mr. Bayer, the engineer from Germany, together with the NASA man, Blumrich, from the United States. And the spaceship, the so-called Splenderness, fit perfectly into the so-called temple. The temple was nothing else than the basic uh, uh, s- place to uh, to repair uh, the, the, the mother, wow. not the mother spaceship, the vehicle, the Vimana. You would call it space shuttle today.
1: Yeah
0: uh so all this by the way i will this case, uh, i will repeat this because i have new measurements it's oh really? very very oh, wow. fascinating oh that's 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 pretty that's exciting incredible yeah um uh,
1: now let me ask you this because uh when i talk to people about ufo's and aliens and and then you know we bring the bible into the conversation um you know it's almost like the camp uh splits into two the people that are open to the idea of ufo's and extraterrestrials in the Bible, and people who believe that they were nothing more than the fallen angels and uh, and that these are the uh, uh, extraterrestrials that they were seeing. they were actually fallen angels. Um, is uh, how do you uh, see these? do you take one of these sides? Well,
0: w- what is a fallen angel? Mm-hmm. You see, I was educated as a Catholic and they told me in school, Well, Eric, you will grow up now as a young man and then as a man, and you must live always in a fair way. You must harm no one. You must kill nobody, you must do no harm to nobody. And when you die, you come to heaven. And heaven is the place where we are absolutely close to the almighty God. Heaven is the place of happiness, in heaven you have the angels. But then, even in our own religion, Mm -hmm. Jewish and, and Christian religion, you learn that at one time in the deep past, there was a fight in heaven. Mm-hmm. There was an archangel archangel called Lucifer. And Lucifer with his mm-hmm. disciples went before the throne of the Almighty God and said, We don't serve yeah. you anymore. And then the Almighty God asked the help of the Archangel Mike Michael. And Michael threw mm-hmm. out Lucifer from heaven. And this was the beginning of the devil. That's what we are told in school. But yeah. If heaven is the place of absolute happiness, mm-hmm. because you are close to God, then an opposition is impossible. Yeah. It is not possible to have an opposition against God right. when you are happy. Happy. Yeah. So all of this was not taken place in heaven. It has nothing to do with the real right. Almighty God. It was simply a war in in space, okay. and the so-called fallen angels. Are simply extraterrestrials. They were muterer. They were fighting against the commander, the commanding space, uh, the commander in spacecraft. Right, right. So, it's it's all complicated. But today it makes an absolute sense. Time has changed.
1: One of the the things that you also talk about and. In- one of your lectures is the the mixed creatures, and um, you make a very a very interesting point in saying that evolution wouldn't make you know something a mixed creature like a sphinx possible. That it had to be uh, uh, something that could be done by way of uh, genetic or artificial yeah. you know genetic engineering. <laughs> Why would extraterrestrials or aliens make these type of creatures?
0: In my opinion, we had first a mother spaceship. Maybe this mother spaceship was 100 or 200 years on the way. Mm-hmm. Before they uh, saw our planet, the planet was similar to their own home home planet, not too close to the sun, not too far away. So it was the real uh, uh, distance and the real temperature. Mm-hmm. So they orbited our, uh, our planet. They descended to our planet with smaller spacecraft. Today we would call it uh, Vimanas or space shuttles. Mm-hmm. Now, an extraterrestrial race—they know, of course, different planets. There are planets which are closer to the sun than our Earth, so it might be much hotter there. There are planets which are farther away; it might be colder. There are planets which are bigger, so you need more muscles to to survive on this planet, etc., etc. Now these extraterrestrials are on the planet Earth Mm -hmm. and they look at our animals. And they see, for example, a lion. Mm -hmm. And they see that the lion is very, very strong. He has strong muscles. And then they see, for example, an other animal which is quite more intelligent than the lion but has is not so strong as the lion. And now they say to themselves, why don't we use the genetic material of these two elements, these two animals on Earth, and create a new one for another world, a world which is hotter or colder, or the gravity is different, et cetera. And they did it. They created so-called mixed creatures. Every museum in the world, at least in the East and in the Far East and in Egypt, you see sculptures of mixed creatures. You have writers in antiquity, for example, Herodotus, Diodor of Sicily, Plutarch, they all wrote about these mixed creatures. Uh, Eusebius, Eusebius was was one of the, the bishops of Caesarea, and Eusebius, he wrote one and a half page of these mixed creatures, and he says... The gods, the so-called gods, made them. They made them, not by coincidence, because they wanted to do it. They needed new animals for other planets.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, And could I ask, what is the purpose of having these new types of animals on other planets? Are they there to serve? Are they there as an experiment? Um, What's the purpose?
0: Well, it was an experiment because on other planets... You have other temperatures, Mm -hmm. or other gravity, so you need other forms of life than on our planet. Mm -hmm. That was the purpose. You know, on a planet which is bigger than the planet Earth, a planet, for example, like our planet Jupiter, Jupiter is a giant. Mm -hmm. If we humans would go to Jupiter, we would be dead immediately because of the force of gravity. It's too strong for us. So if we want an animal to survive on Jupiter, we have to create a new animal which can survive on Jupiter, so it needs it needs complete different muscles, a different system of breathing, etc. And
2: where would they take it from there? Would they stand back and watch these animals evolve, no, or see, would they, they use just, them? They
0: just created on Earth these animals. Now, mm-hmm. when they they left the planet Earth again. Just imagine there is a troop of ethnologists like our ethnologists. Mm -hmm. Ethnologists, they visit different tribes, they learn a few language, they help a little with advice, and then they disappear one day with the promise to return in the far future. Mm -hmm. Now in the meantime, while they were on Earth, they have created some of these mixed creatures. Now you do not have to take these mixed creatures on board of your spaceship. Mm -hmm. All what you need is a few milligrams of DNA. That's all. Mm-hmm. You don't need to take the animal with us. That's why on Earth we find the broken bones of these mixed creatures.
1: And where are the uh, broken bones uh, found?
0: Well, some of them definitely in Egypt, <laughs> in the so-called Serapeum. Serapeum is beneath the Earth in Saqqara. It was now for 20 years close to the tourists. In the meantime, since about a few months, the tourists can enter there again. Now you see in the Serapeum, you see the most gigantic sarcophaguses which you have ever seen on earth. Mm-hmm. When these sarcophaguses were found in the beginning, the archaeologists believe, well, these sarcophaguses are made for, for the holy animals, the holy uh, uh, bull. But there was no bull in there. In every sarcophagus, they found broken bones, bones of st- Different animals of different kinds. Some of the animals they could not find out what it was because it was a mixed creature.
1: Wow. And I know that in one of your lectures you actually show a picture of these, uh, of one of these uh, sarcophagus.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's in, 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 in Egypt. They are gigantic. Absolutely. Yeah, they're huge. Superb.
1: There, there, uh-huh. it, was, it was totally mind blowing to see you standing next to these things and see how, how large they were. Now, one of the things that you said is when they left, uh, when the extraterrestrials left, that humans were afraid of these mixed creatures and they were not allowed to kill them. Did they just not kill them out of fear or that or someone just said, you're not allowed to touch
0: them? See, in uh, India, still today, mm-hmm. the cow is a holy creature. The Indians do not kill cows. Now, thousands of years in the past, the extraterrestrials created some of these mixed creatures. One of them was known in old Egypt, as the Asp- Aspis bull. Mm-hmm. So in old Egypt, you had different bulls. You had normal bulls as we know them. And you had a special bull was called the Apis bull. Now, the old historians, they write that Apis was not created on a normal way by a sexual act on this mm-hmm. planet. The gods created and made Apis. Now, Apis grew up. Let's say from a small animal to a to a strong animal. And the gods said to the humans, you are not allowed to kill this animal. It's our animal. It belongs to us. We want to observe how it's growing up. You are not allowed to, to, to kill it, to eat it, to destroy it, whatever. So it becomes a holy animal for the humans. One day, the gods disappeared, and the animal was still here. As I said before, mm-hmm. all what they took on board was a little DNA, right. but the animal was still here. So the humans were afraid. They did not touch the animal. They were afraid of the animal. But finally, by the ears, the animal died by itself because of the age. And only when he was dead, now the natives came and killed, destroyed his bones put the broken bones in these gigantic sarcophaguses and close the sarcophaguses with a gigantic lid of 40 tons. Mm -hmm. The reason was these animals should never be reborn again Mm -hmm. because in old Egypt they believed that every form of life will be reborn again, but not these mixed creatures. They should never return to earth. That's why they made these gigantic sarcophaguses.
1: It's really fascinating because, yeah, I remember you talking about reincarnation and how important it was to keep the body intact because they believed they were going to reoccupy it. So to find these uh, animals with these broken bones was definitely a sign that whatever they were, they definitely did not want them around again. Um, Yes. So should we take Egyptian imagery, you know, they have a lot of reptilian mixed with human characteristics. Uh, yeah. I, are those the same type of uh, beings?
0: I think, yes. These were all experiments mm-hmm. made by the extraterrestrials. They made experience with different form of animals because they used it on another planet.
1: Mm. I read throughout the years so many different things, but one of the things that I've encountered recently is uh, a lot of people talk about the pineal gland and the... About what? The pineal gland? The, what is that? That is the, uh, uh, the gland in the brain that produces uh, DMT. And, uh, you know, which is a chemical that our brain produces when we sleep. People ingest that in the form of ayahuasca in old uh, Latin American civilizations. And uh-huh. the people that have taken this claim to have had these, you know, encounters with gods or even aliens. Um-
2: Ich to nur sagen, um, Zirbeldrüse steht auf dem Internet.
0: Ah, Zirbeldrüse, no, okay. Okay. Ich verstehe das Wort. Okay. Ja, yeah, ich verstehe das Wort. Okay. Aber ich habe nicht viel zu sagen zu diesem,
1: weil
0: ich nie never studied diese Art von Dingen. Okay. Uh, concerning the Gehirn und Zirbeldrüse, ich habe nie studiert, aber ich weiß, wir haben in unserem Gehirn Informationen und Information, mm-hmm. information bedeutet for Tausenden of Jahren whatever our forefathers when felt spoke said is inside of us and sometimes if you take a drug mm-hmm. you go into this information thousands of mm-hmm. years back so i'm not astonished if someone may see extraterrestrials oh, wow. or have a contact with mm-hmm. extraterrestrials
1: wow that honestly that is a very insightful
2: um so do you do you believe that information is we are born with it imprinted in our minds, and that possibly that's the remaining you know, 90% that we're not tapping into?
0: Yeah, but it's much more complicated than this, really. I cannot Mm -hmm. explain this on the radio. Sure, yeah. You see, uh, we have our DNA, and the DNA is composited finally of atoms. Mm-hmm. But the atoms have subatomic particles like electrons, protons, etc. And the electron is one of the subatomic pa- particles which loses nothing or forgets nothing. Mm-hmm. Everything what humans ever did, felt, smoked, spoke, is mm-hmm. coded in the electrons, mm-hmm. and electrons are part of the atoms, atoms again are part of the DNA, mm-hmm. etc. So we have all the knowledge in our past inside of us, but now we have a, pro- a protecting device. We have a consciousness and we have a subconsciousness, mm-hmm. and all these things are stored in the subconsciousness. If it, it would be in the consciousness, we would simply become crazy. Because then we would hear voices in us. Mm-hmm. It would become schizophrenic or whatever. So the subconsciousness stores these things and with some of the drugs it might be that you have access to it. By the way, just a personal re- remark, mm-hmm. I never in my life took any drug. I never smoked a marijuana cigarette, nor did I take any kind of drug.
1: Thank you for, for that because it's a very valid point which I I had not considered going back to Egypt. We have the uh, we have the pyramid that, that had these long shafts, and I remember as a kid watching uh, one of the. I think it was the the first time they sent a small robot through one of these shafts and they encountered the first barrier.
2: I think you mean the Cheops pyramid, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) And uh, and after, uh, you know, some time they made another robot and they managed to get through the first barrier only to find a second barrier. And after that, they found a strange small room with uh, some interesting characteristics. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yes. You see, official Egyptology says that it was a pharaoh with the name of Cheops who was the constructor of the Great Pyramid. Mm -hmm. Cheops was a man of the fourth dynasty, more or less 2,500 years before Christ. So, theoretically it is possible that Cheops made the building because it Mm -hmm. is possible to move stones around, around, even heavy stone blocks, etc. But Now we found inside the Great Pyramids different new shafts Mm -hmm. and different new rooms. And these were localized only because of electromagnetic uh, measurements. Now, as you mentioned before, one robot was entering into one of these shafts Mm -hmm. for 62 meters. He came to a standstill before a little door. The next robot made a little hole on it and came to a standstill again before another door. A third robot was in there and came to a standstill, and they made a hole to the third door. And there was a small room with red characters which were not hieroglyphics. Wow. If it would have been made in Cheops times, the writing should be hieroglyphics. But these red r- sort of writings are not hieroglyphics. Now I said, mm-hmm. in Cheops time, it was theoretically possible to make, to move the stone blocks around. But what was not possible is the engineering. As more and more, as we find shafts and rooms in the Great Pyramid, and then there are more than the one I just mentioned, mm-hmm. as more complicated becomes the engineering work. Engineering work means planning, making designs before you start digging uh, before you start moving the stone block. Mm-hmm. And the Cheops and his fourth dynasty, they simply were just coming out of Stone Age. They were iron at that time, maybe copper. But that's all. But they were not able to make the planning. Now, the funny thing is, old Arabian historians, which nobody knows in the West, it is up to me to know it because it's my specialty. Old Arabian historians like Ibrahim Abdul Al-Masudi or Al-Makritzi, they wrote, the Great Pyramid was constructed before the Great Flood by a ruler. His name was Saurit. Then they precisely say Saurit is the same which the Hebrew community calls Enoch. Nope. We were talking about Enoch before. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. teached by the extraterrestrials. Before Enoch left our planet in a fiery chariot, he gave all his books to his son Methuselah and told him, keep these books for the generations after the Great mm-hmm. Flood, because all this took place before the Great Flood. And now in our time, we find always new shafts, new rooms inside the pyramid. To me, it would not, I would not be astonished if we find some books in the Great Pyramid. Books written by Enoch, which tells us what happened in that time before the Great Flood.
1: I remember when I was younger and, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated by Egyptian culture and uh, the possible contact that they had with beings from from another planet. One of the things that we talked about back then with friends of like-minded ideas was if there was ever any technology that was left inside the pyramids that maybe whether it was the U.S. government or you know, one of these governments with the power to go in there and just re move it. Have you found any evidence that, you know, the extraterrestrials left something behind in, in, for example, the pyramids, and and uh, it just disappeared, like, you know, the the, the Ark of the Covenant or something?
0: Well, to my knowledge, they have found nothing so far in the Great Pyramid. But this is not astonishing, Mm -hmm. because until today, they could only go to these shafts which are known today where humans can go inside. I mean, shafts, which is about one meter high, or the Great Gallery, which is has mm-hmm. a height of eight and a half meters. But the new developed shafts, a found shafts, have a diameter only of about 12 centimeters. So no human can scrap in there. Mm-hmm. So it might well be that there are some objects by the extraterrestrials, oh, wow. but no humans had the chance to go there. Mm-hmm. These who deposited these in, in the past, They knew very well that only a high technological society would be able to find, to localize these rooms. All the past generations had no chance. It's our generation to find out and to go there. One of the
1: things that you have said about extraterrestrials from the beginning was that they were going to return, that they were here. Yeah, Yeah, they, they learned about us, studied us, and left but they said they would come back you also pointed out that not every religion can be right does some have to be wrong the people who are waiting you know the return of jesus you you know show the parallels between the uh, christian belief and other beliefs as far as a deity that will return uh and you said that they will but that they will be extraterrestrial um can you elaborate a little bit more on that
0: you see 450 years ago the white man started to make make excavations, no explorations to other uh, uh, continents. Mm-hmm. So the Spanish came to Central America. It was Hernando Cortes. He first met Moctezuma. He was was the ruler of the Aztec. Moctezuma believed that, that, that Hernando Cortes, the Spanish conqueror, was one of the long expected gods. The same thing mm-hmm. happened in South America. Francisco Pizarro mm-hmm. arrived to South America Today's Peru, and the, the, the Incas believe, oh, now God is returning. They were expecting already somebody. The same thing happens with James Cook. He was the conqueror of the South Sea, for example, Hawaii. He found Hawaii, et cetera, et cetera. Whenever the white man, for the first time, came together with so-called technological primitive cultures, the natives believe that the white men are the long-expected God. So this expectation of the return is not a Christian invention. It existed long before Christianity. And then what do we have today? I'm educated as a Catholic and we believe that one day Jesus will return. But the Muslim society is believing that their Mahadi will return. And as we know, the Buddhist society believes that Buddha will return. Mm -hmm. The great Jewish community believes that their Messiah will return. So more or less every religion still today believes in the returning of their God or whatever it was. Now, honestly, not every religion can be right. right. Some of them wow. must be wrong. And I'm afraid they are probably all wrong. Neither Jesus, nor Buddha, nor Mahadi, nor Messiah will return. Simply extraterrestrials. And then we have what I call the shock of the gods. Right. That's why I suggest it's better to deal or to think about these possibilities. And you never lose the real god of religion. Never because God is bigger. God is the universe. God is the creation of everything. God is not extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. Our forefathers, Stone Age people, they believed erroneously that these extraterrestrials are some gods. Of course, this is not true. Nobody is God. There is only one God the creation of the universe.
1: What role does God play in this case? Is He following what uh, we learn in the Bible that He will not be in contact with us? It seems like He's almost standing by.
0: Yeah. You see, when, when you say, What role is He playing? Mm-hmm. You use the word He, yeah. which means you make a figure out of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And in my belief, God is no figure, God is a, a spirit a wave which we cannot explain. Mm-hmm. We can only respect it, and we have to be learn to become very, very sober. We are little. We are nothing. We are like bacterias compared to what we call the spirit of the universe, or or God. Mm-hmm. But no one can explain God. We don't know what God is, and how God came into existence. But we know that the universe exists. Mm-hmm. We know that we exist. So, there must be a creation that's what we call God.
1: And it's uh God responsible for uh creating in this case extraterrestrials.
0: Yes, not not directly. What mm-hmm. we have an evolution on this planet Earth mm-hmm. is in the universe the same thing. There is a universal evolution from the creation from the beginning which we cannot explain evolution took over. It all developed in a way or another. We are part of this evolution. But evolution, again, is not coincidence. Because in evolution, you have a lot of so-called unchangeable forms. And you can do nothing against an unchangeable form. What is an unchangeable form? For example, we all know the fishes, the so-called fishes, the dolphins. Dolphins, we say they are intelligent animals. So the dolphins, they jump out of the water. And at night they see little lights in the sky, our stars. Now let's suggest the dolphins are a scientific community. They are swimming together. They have a scientific conference and they will ask, what are these lights out there? And someone may have the idea, maybe these are other suns. Maybe there are planets around. Maybe there is water and other dolphins exist there. One day they want to know it for sure, scientifically sure, not only speculations. So sooner or later they had to construct an antenna. To construct an antenna means they must melt metal. To melt metal means you have to make fire. To make fire means you have to get out of the water. These are unchangeable (laughs) forms. It's all evolution, but only a few sorts of these evolutionary chaos becomes intelligent as we are Mm -hmm. and the others. It makes all a perfect sense, Mm -hmm. but we don't know the beginning. We have no idea.
2: Okay. And since we're nearing the end of our time here, um, I recall you saying, um, at least at one point, that, you know, obviously the the extraterrestrials will return, but that they also, in fact, have returned. Um, could you tell us just a bit more about that?
0: <laughs> I was for decades uh, not the best friend of uh, ufologists. Mm-hmm. I read many of these UFO books and I had the chance to talk with many honest people, but more or less of them, they were believers and they were not scientific, etc. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, I had to change my opinion. In the meantime, we have new UFO books on the market, like from Leslie Kane or from Dr. Alexander in the United mm-hmm. States, etc. And in the meantime, we have scientists which are now retired and they say that some decades before they were not telling us the truth. So in the meantime, I believe that somebody is here again in our solar system and does observe us. I even received a secret UFO movie, which I will show again in Joshua Tree, oh, where wow. you are completely passing. So something is around which we can photograph. We can film, mm-hmm. but we don't know what it is. Okay.
1: Wow. Uh, and before we wrap up, Eric, you're going to be, as you mentioned, at Contact in the Desert uh, out here in Joshua Tree, California from uh, May 29th through the 31st. And I see that you're going to be doing uh, a lecture on extraterrestrials in the Ancient East, uh, a workshop on Return of the Gods, and an Intensive on uh, impossible truths. Um, could you just give us a little sneak peek on, on what uh, uh, what people can expect in, in your uh, lectures and workshops? You
0: see, everyone is familiar with Nazca. Mm-hmm. Nazca is the desert in Peru. When you from the air, you see gigantic lines beneath you. You see some figures like fishes, monkeys, apes, etc. So, mm-hmm. now in the meantime, thanks or grace to satellite photographics we know that in other continents, we have similar places than Natska. Natska is not unique anymore. In Saudi Arabia, in Jordania, near the the, the Black Sea, the the Lake of Aral, because of satellite photographs, I can prove that there are other deserts with Natskas, with lines and figures. Mm -hmm. So our ancestors in the past, did not only in Peru make gigantic signs mm-hmm. such a, of over dimensional size that you can see them only from the air, but they did it in other continents of this planet too. So that's new what I explained. And a lot wow. of new things have happened. Impossible things which never should explain. But I, I'm afraid I don't have the English words at the moment to to express myself. It's
1: quite all right. I know that people are going to enjoy attending your lectures and workshops at, at Contact in the Desert. Like I said, I was there last year and you couldn't fit uh, one more person in the room. There were people standing everywhere <laughs> in the aisles. Sitting it's on top of
0: each other. <laughs> Seriously. And you know, uh, I have a, an archive which really is unique. I have about 200,000 slides. Wow. These 200,000 slides, in the meantime, they are all on computer. So I have mm. an extreme large amount of thing to show. Wow.
1: Sounds amazing. It sounds like a lot of fun. Eric, your website is danikin.com, correct?
0: Yes, I I think so. <laughs> I, I never look at it. So I'm eighty years old in the meantime. My brain works perfectly. But all these website things, my, my young people in the office do. I don't understand nothing of, of it.
1: <laughs> well, it, it sounds like you're doing great, and you definitely have more energy than I am. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably a fraction of your age. But <laughs> Eric, thank you so much. Uh, definitely people check out Contact in the Desert. Eric von will be there uh, as part of a great lineup of speakers. Eric, thank you so much and and enjoy the rest of your evening and and we're grateful and humble for having you on the show. Thank Thank you Thank you. It
0: was a pleasure to talk to you. Goodbye, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: And that was our interview with uh, Mr. Eric Von Daniken. Honestly, like I just typed in the chat room earlier, a legend in this field. I'm really, you know, at a loss for words. Uh, It it was an amazing time talking to him and asking him all these questions because, as people know, when it comes to aliens and UFOs and then you throw in the Bible, it's just a recipe for some interesting discussion, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to cut to a song real quick. Or a couple of songs, at least. And we're going to come back and wrap things up. I've been playing a lot of Jim Sullivan lately, on and off the air. Uh, And funny story, we were in Germany and I had been eyeing this Jim Sullivan t-shirt that mm, was printed yeah. for a limited time you can't find it anywhere and it
2: cost like a hundred. the shipping alone to dollars. the US
1: was like a ridiculous amount that I refused to pay and ironically enough the, uh, the seller happened to be in Germany so I made Genevieve make a German eBay account
2: <laughs> well luckily <laughs> so I already I already have like German PayPal and stuff so I'm yeah right, but it's, right. yeah, it was,
1: yeah so anyway so So thank you, Genevieve, for uh, helping me acquire... The
2: thrifty side of me refused to let you pay (laughs) $50 for shipping. There is no way anyone should pay $50 for a t-shirt when the t-shirt itself does not cost.
1: Yeah, but honestly, like I said, it's a it's a it's a this T-shirt apparently is out of print. So we're gonna go out with uh, some Jim Sullivan for for a few minutes, and then we're gonna come back, talk a little bit more about the interview, and wrap things up. Uh, Enjoy this one. This one is called Jerome off of Jim Sullivan's album UFO. And again, if you don't know the story, check out the website. I think we'll we should. Definitely do a a quick post about it because at least it was one of my favorite interviews. And you'll find out the mystery of Jim Sullivan and why I was willing to pay so much for a t-shirt. A t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to keep it PG because as people know, we're back on iTunes, right? and we uh yeah, we are. We, 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 are. we get some you know we get quite it's colorful it's embarrassing
2: it's embarrassing having to <laughs> put explicit content on something that's about i don't know the moon <laughs>
1: yeah well hey one of my first records or actually it was a good cd lo- we had cds at the time You
2: way too dope section. i know exactly <laughs> uh
1: one of the first cds i ever bought was nwa and it was a controversial album and i think it was one of the first albums they had the parental adv- advisory sticker so for our podcast uh graphic on our website we kind of added the uh, parental advisory sticker as a little you know not too uh to nwa i i know it's kind of a stretch to link the two but hey wotr nwa i'm sure you can connect it somehow anyways jim sullivan only because
2: of the bad language not because <laughs> exactly. we rap about hoes and money
1: <laughs> exactly so anyways jim sullivan this song is called your own off of this album ufo uh enjoy we're gonna be back in a few here we go <coughs> What's up, guys? This is Jorge Diaz of Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And you're listening to West of the Rockies with Frank. This portion of the show is sponsored by Haunted Orange County, your premier source for all things haunted in and around OC. From haunted history ghost walks to ghost group hunting expeditions at some of SoCal's most haunted destinations. Make your fall plans early and book an upcoming tour or investigation today. Visit hauntedoc.com. A little more west of the rockies i'm frank uh thank you guys for sticking around um as always engineer frank on twitter west of the rockies on facebook genevieve Uwe on twitter if you don't know how to spell that um
2: don't bother yeah <laughs> just
1: don't even follow her the website wtr radio.com uh go there tons of cool stuff honestly some of the coolest interviews that we have had on this show ever have been posted on there. Uh, check it out. We had Jim Mars, right, who uh, wrote the book Crossfire, The Plot to Kill Kennedy, yeah, which no, was, was the foundation great. for JFK. Honestly, if you haven't listened to that interview, go check it out. If you love the movie by Oliver Stone, JFK, that's one of the books that he used as a foundation. Um, go check that interview. Uh, one of uh, our other very popular interviews to this day is obviously uh, Lynn Campbell, former Scientologist nc org member mm-hmm. um i still you know we still get feedback on that interview and people you know they they retweeted a and lot you like to
2: haircut so much she's now your
1: now she's my go-to. go-to girl
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh yeah if you want to get a haircut from lynn and maybe hear some of her honestly first-hand accounts if you want to hear it straight from her uh go to sheer yeah see, That's see, her, it,
2: see it as a great chat yeah. while getting a haircut oh like yeah <laughs> oh,
1: honestly literally one of the most interesting conversations you will have in your life so uh yeah i mean uh if you're in the la area and want to get a cut and um, you know tell her you heard her on the show and yeah she'll know exactly
2: oh, she, she's like the most mild-mannered and she's amazing just lovely lady like honestly just I. I can't even imagine her getting angry even if she got angry i'd be like oh you, yeah you're no, just saying honestly that.
1: she's she's amazing uh the one of the most lovely people that uh you know i've ever met and stanton freeman is another recent interview i mean what can i say the man is amazing he's probably one of the 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 most uh level-headed researchers in the field of uh UFOs and aliens. It well, was, you
2: can't just start throwing names out cuz then you've got to mention Story Musgrave, which was one of like our super great recent that interviews.
1: it's it's definitely a, a jewel in the crown if I may use the metaphor of. Considering uh, West we of the just Russia's. sort of
2: crown jewels <laughs> over and I don't mean that in any sort of yeah, that, innuendo sort of way cuz uh, is that in, innuendo here as well or?
1: Yeah, 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 it is. It is.
2: Okay, yeah. I, I just wasn't sure whether you get royal innuendos in the U.S. or not.
1: No, you do. You do. And uh, Tony Merlis says... I, was I like just how seriously
2: you said that. <clears throat> or maybe it's just me being able to see you, the listeners can't see you right now. But he said, yes, you do, in a very matter-of-fact way.
1: No, well, it's true. Uh, Tony Merlis says, I was just listening to that interview yesterday, classic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, wotradio.com is where you want to go. And... And we're also back on iTunes, so you can subscribe, search uh, West of the Rockies there on iTunes, you'll see our graphic and subscribe. Maybe you can
2: help, I don't know, you can like star and rate yeah, you can and add review stars, and reviews, everything, obviously rate it. You only put full stars, yeah, if you don't like it, we will delete we, yeah, everything Yeah, if you don't like you it, write. we
1: don't want to hear it. <laughs> We're we're pretty bad at this. I can tell already. But yeah, you know, a lot of cool stuff. And actually, I wanted to take some time because before uh, we left on the trip, there was a lot of excitement over the, uh, the, the Roswell slides, right? Which was... Um, uh, you know the, this this story that had come out about mm-hmm. these slides that were found in, a, in in an attic of somebody's house, and the uh, they were there were Kodachrome slides that were dated to be around the time of 1947. Well, I believe. Wanna,
2: yeah, and before you say what happened, you know the story was that they essentially did something along the lines of a live reveal a live viewing of them showing it to the world for the first time which in itself for me was a massive gigantic Red red flag
1: there's like all the alarms going on it's
2: just like Oh, pay $50 mm-hmm. or $35 to view this being revealed live to the world. And it's just like, uh, sorry, what?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, and if it it's was... meant
2: to be something mm-hmm. useful to mm-hmm. the world, like news, world news or world, mm-hmm. I don't know, weather reports, disaster report, anything that's world news should never, ever <laughs> be charged for. Yeah. No. And not I even mean... freaking football, not even the World Cup gets charged for. And that's I'd... probably the most scary. <laughs> important thing to the world at the risk at the
1: risk of sounding like bono here for a second uh you know we've been asked to put this show on other you know uh platforms they charged and i've refused i've said no i politely have declined i shouldn't say refuse i politely have declined and i've said if i were to do that i still would you know put it up for free, whether it was on our website or items or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I believe that, yeah, if you have some kind of information that can be useful to people, um, I mean, it's, it's a very fine line, I know, between, you know, charging and not charging and, and the purposes of that. But, I don't feel that we should be charging for anything. So when I began to hear about this story and that they were going to do like this live reveal and they were selling tickets, it was going to take place in, in, in Mexico City. Yeah, I agree that it made me kind of wonder like uh, how, you know, is this really legitimate, I guess is the is the word. And turns out they 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 did the whole thing, you know, and and they had very prominent figures there uh, via Skype and in person. And they showed this slide or or, or that that appeared to be a small humanoid shape. And it only took, I think, about a day or two before, you know, someone with Photoshop skills to go in there. It had a a plaque in the front that was blurred out and had some writing. And they were able to de-blur it. I mean, you can do some amazing things with Photoshop, uh, which I can't even do. I can barely post a picture on Instagram. Like, Neil is to say...
2: Brighten effect filter. Yeah, yep, sharpen, done. <laughs> yeah,
1: and go to Hef, pick the Hef's it's
2: like, it, filter. It, is, is that not how you do Photoshop? No? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, they found that it was actually that plaque in the front said that it was the, the body of a young boy, a mummified body of a young boy. And it turns out there was a picture of some kind of museum display. And they even tracked down the museum <laughs> Uh, based just on you know some of like the uh, the the things that were uh, shown in that slide, and some of these again prominent figures in the field had to detract their statements. You know, because they put their, their their name behind it. They said, yeah, there's absolute evidence of aliens uh, and that there something crashed at Roswell. You know, it's, it's just an example of how careful you have to be when you hear about this information. Because it reminded me of, you know, in the 90s, we had the alien autopsy video. And at the time, it seemed like a convincing thing. You know, I was a kid when it came out. And, you know, as a kid, fascinated with this topic... I wanted to believe, you know, to quote Mulder, X-Files coming back, just announced, January 2016, don't miss it. Uh, (laughs) To quote Mulder, I want to believe, you know, that famous poster he had in his, uh, uh, you know, in the TV show, I wanted to believe that it was real. Again, it's, it's just a cautionary tale that you have to always have your BS detector on, as we've said before on this show. You know, a lot of things get put out there. And honestly, I believe, I want to believe, again, that the people that put on this whole event... They meant well, you know, they, they talked to the main organizer and they asked him, you know, why was he charging? And he said that it was just to cover the fees to, you know, make this press conference happen. And he claims that, you know, he he barely, uh, if that could be the, the term, he barely cut even as far as like expenses. He apparently he didn't make much of a profit. But, you know, again, we and that's something we do on this show. You know, we put a lot of information out and we dissect it and we run it through all our, our filters, not to tell people what to believe, but just to give people a point of view that could help them, uh, you know, reach their own decisions uh, as to some of the information presented here, because it's a lot of stuff that, that we covered. So it, with the uh, Roswell slides, unfortunately, it wasn't an alien body. You know, it, it's happened again. Uh, it's not the first time that that we encounter some kind of evidence that 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 some people believe to be definite proof of aliens and it turns out that it's not that being said you heard an amazing interview with Mr. <laughs> Mr. Eric Mondanacan and honestly you know i what can i say um his books are amazing. I, I am most familiar with Chariots of the Gods. I know my, like I said, my my dad had tons of his books. If you missed any part of it, we're going to be posting it on the website ASAP this week so that people can enjoy it. Uh, again, one of my all-time favorite interviews. Uh, and we hope people enjoyed it. Uh, I see by the comments in the chat by um, Ms. Becky B., Professor Madness, Sunny Merlo. Uh, you know, they, they enjoyed it. And, and, you know, this is why we do it, because... You know, we enjoy bringing these kind of topics and information to people. So definitely check out the website, WOTRradio.com. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends, um, you know, and, and we'll try to continue having the, the these amazing guests and amazing topics and, and you know, some funny stuff uh, here and there for everyone to enjoy, as well as the amazing tunes. And speaking of tunes, I'm going to go out with a song that... Uh, Actually, Genevieve played during her show, No Flavors, which I guess was in a short hiatus while we were gone as well. <laughs> uh, Genevieve, you actually played this song, despite of how you may feel about Nirvana and Kirkova. And you played this song, uh, I believe, like the week before we went on this trip. And uh, honestly, I forgot about this song. And it's a, it's a, uh, one of my favorite songs, and, and it's amazing how I... Totally forgot about it. It's from the Unplug album. If anything, it's a testament as to why you should listen to Noite Flavors Thursday nights at 9 p.m. here on the Independent FM. Because you will either discover music or rediscover music, and this is a perfect example of that. This is a Nirvana Unplug doing "Where Did You Sleep Last Night" by Led Belly. If I'm not mistaken, it's a cover. And uh, yeah, it's just Kurt Cobain at its rawest. So I'm enjoy. One of the
2: very, very few that Nirvana ever did. Yep. Uh, one of the only two that I can think of, the top of my head. I think we had this discussion. Yeah. So if you can think of a third one that's not um, "Man Who Sold the World" or this one, "Love Bus. Three. The other okay, one? okay, okay. But like, I, I really can't think of.
1: And I think Incesticide was all B sides and covers.
2: Okay, so okay, there's an entire album out there, but of the mainstream (laughs) ones.
1: (laughs) Of the ones that made it to the albums, I suppose. Um, This is one of them. Amazing song. Enjoy it. Listen to it. Just let it take you to that place. This is Where Did You Sleep Last Night. Uh, I'm Frank. Genevieve is here. Thank you guys for singing around. Uh, We hope you enjoy the show. As always, Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook, WOTR Radio is the website, uh, WOTR Radio is on Twitter, and Genevieve Uwe on Twitter. Enjoy this jam. We'll see you next week. Bye.
0: Night. West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM Los Angeles.